Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. It's a podcast about workplace culture, psychology, and life. Hello, I'm Bruce Taisley. I'm Ellen Scott. I'm Matt. So hello. Um, so t- probably worth a bit of housekeeping at the start. So over the last couple of episodes, there have been sort of slightly random opportunistic uh, episodes, sort of seizing the moment and putting stuff out. And so Ellen's been denied her rightful place. And I think Matt didn't feature last week either. So natural order has been restored here today. And to to try to manage your expectations. I guess you should know what you're going to listen to when you open your podcast app. Um, Today's episode is going to be just a discussion between the three of us of some of the themes that are happening in work. We're going to try and do these as alternate episodes, maybe alternating with interviews as we go. But um, let me tell you, you get zero feedback from uh, from um, podcasts. So if you do have any thoughts about what's working and what isn't working or what you want to hear more of, please do let us know because those one or two bits of feedback can help shape uh, the, the way we do things and how we make things better. Have you both been well? I, th- I guess I'll kick off just checking, just checking in that everyone's okay. Busy, busy last few weeks, but otherwise good. It's been fun. It's nice to be busy sometimes. Yeah, it's definitely been, we've talked about that September back to school is just always so true. And of course, we couldn't have started without talking about the weather. But naturally, we we luckily saved that for before the recording, because I think everyone's talking about that right now, from the shift of the 25 degree highs to the classic October we're expecting. So we'll see how that impacts our mood at work. To Ellen's point, it's really surprising, isn't it? Every time you sort of, you hit upon the the hectic um, intensity of of autumn. But are you finding Fridays are quieter? Or you, uh, I was at an event yesterday and I was reminded that really increasingly Fridays have got a very different feel to them. And from the idea that if someone sends you a meeting request on a Friday or Friday afternoon in particular, you feel affronted by it. But Friday just does seem to have developed a, it's, it's not a four-day week, but it's a four-day, plus one day week for a lot of people in the sense that Friday's admin day or Friday's the time to get to catch up or to get things resolved. So even though the weeks have been quite intense, are you feeling Fridays are a bit different? 100%. But actually what I found myself doing recently is saving 
my actual work for Fridays because I think all the other days are so full with meetings and requests and all of that. Fridays, everyone I think respects the kind of unofficial rule of we're not doing meetings today. We're not going to bombard people with stuff. So I can actually get on with the main part of my job, which seems really strange, but it, it feels a lot better and a lot less frantic I would say on a Friday that's very relatable yeah that's yeah a Friday afternoon calendar invite I would say is an act of violence yeah it needs to be premeditated so yeah it Fridays are definitely the day to do a bit more deep work and I I'm hesitant to to the Friday plus one because my worry is that bosses and managers might see that as Fridays not being a useful day but I think it's Mm -hmm. almost a shift of Fridays being a very useful day to do all the bits that haven't happened on your to-do list because of other important meetings that invariably happen early in the week. But yeah, certainly I'm getting very affronted if if I start seeing Friday four o'clocks in the diary, unless there may be more of a, a nicer round off to the weekend. No, I hear you on that. This week, because we've got no guests, it's just a discussion about some of the things that we've seen around the web and discussions on things that are happening. The, the thing that for me was really stood out this week was an article, I've linked to it, in The Guardian, which said that two thirds of chief execs believe that where we're going to end up is five days a week back in the office, which was it's a really interesting perspective, actually. I was, I was at an event yesterday of sort of bosses in Dublin, of bosses in leaders. And you can definitely see that a lot of bosses would love the return to the five-day week, largely because a lot of them are doing it. A lot of them are going in. You know, they're, they're looking across the empty fields of desks, cursing the this sort of redundant resource that they've paid for. I think bosses in their wildest dreams would, would pray for a return to the office. And it's missing a big picture for me. It's 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 slightly myopic. The the idea that we'd return to five days in the office. I guess you could make a case for, you know, what wasn't broke before. But it's it's a an interesting thing for them to reveal. I wonder if you saw that and what your perspective on it was. I hadn't seen the article, but I find that stat quite baffling, and I'm wondering what the input was is it two-thirds believe that generally will be five days or do you know whether they were asked about their organization because I could understand if they were asked about their organization and then across all of those that were asked two-thirds will be going back to five days a week but for a, a very bold statement to say that you know I'm about to do my maths wrong, I'm about to say 75%, that's three quarters, 66.6 recurring percentage of CEOs think that generally we'll be going back to five days. So let me give you the full details. So it's a piece of work by KPMG and it's their CEO Outlook survey. So it's a global survey and 64% globally, 63% in the UK of CEOs predicted a full return to in-office working by 2023. The annual poll which surveyed more than 1,300 chief execs uh, of whom 150 are in the UK, suggested many executives were increasingly supportive of returning to pre-COVID ways of working. Wow, right. It's, it's intriguing, isn't it? I, I, was, I saw something this week, um, and it was 
it was a reminder of something. I've, I've got a real aversion to uh, commencement speeches. Commencement speeches, largely because like they, they look great clipped up, these little motivational Instagram clips of someone saying, you can be anything you want to be. You could you know, dream big, never let anyone crush your dreams. It's lovely, it, but it's a bit like checking, seeing a wonderful actor in something and then checking, because it was 15 years ago, checking their IMDb and realising, oh, yeah, they never went on to do anything whatsoever. And and commencement speeches are a bit of sort of productising the unrealistic dreams that go against the realities of life. The, the only commencement speech I like, apart from the one I'm about to mention so too, is... Um, David Foster Wallace, the sort of uh, novelist writer, uh, did one before he he passed away about uh, 10, 15 years ago. But he did one saying the secret of life is dealing with the um, the stresses and things that go wrong against you, the mundanities, how you react when you're stuck in traffic, how you react when you're in a long supermarket queue and, and how you deal with those things is the secret of how your life will play out. Like the mundanities of life, like not you can be anything, but... irrespective of what you are, how you deal with... I liked that one. The other one I like is um, there was a Shonda Rhimes one, and Shonda Mm. Rhimes is probably the preeminent storyteller in the world, behind Bridgerton, behind Grey's Anatomy, behind Scandal, no no shortage of TV shows, uh, sort of this powerhouse of American television. And and she did a commencement speech, which the, the essence of it was, anytime you see me succeeding winning, achieving something, it means I'm failing at something else. Anytime you see me collecting an award, it's because I didn't go and collect my child from her parent-teacher evening. Or uh, anytime you, uh, you see me... Um, you know, at the premiere at something, it means I didn't turn up to my daughter's gymnastics. And, and it was a really nice way, I thought, of emphasising the fact that so many of us lived a, a compromised existence. And actually, what I believe that the, the advent of hybrid working allowed was for us to all say, okay, yeah, well, I'm going to tr- just fail a bit less. You know, I'm going to be able to get a bit more sleep, to be a bit more present for my partner or for my friends. Um, and I'm just going to try and be a better person. And it, it was a recognition that you could be a good, a better person and be good at your job at the same time. And that for me is like the, the promise of hybrid. So going back saying, actually, we've learned no lessons from this just strikes me as so regressive. Yeah, exactly. And so backwards thinking. And it's really frustrating to hear this because what you're saying about it feels like we can be better people and have better lives. The fact that a lot of well, two thirds of bosses aren't seeing that is really frustrating and really difficult to kind of wrap my head around because it's like the evidence that it's making us happier and healthier is there. I don't know how we start to convince people that it's not best to just go back to what seemed to be working before, that the world has changed, that people have changed and we need to move forwards, not backwards. Yeah, that's why I was really curious about the framing of the question because I have no qualms with people saying under CEO saying we're going back to five days a week if they've really thought that through they've got a really you know interesting office that can facilitate that and that's the culture that they're creating you know I I can't really have an opinion on that until I chat and we work through with them so that's okay if they're saying that and they've thought that through but to make a statement about other companies and kind of culture I think really 
yeah, to your to your point, Ellen, is quite reductive in and backwards in terms of what we've learnt. And I can't imagine that two thirds of all the CEOs they interviewed have a five day a week return to office plan with a really nice office that facilitates that. So essentially, my my gut is that it's probably they're making a prediction about the world of work, which yeah worries me slightly because there's so many benefits to working from home, the balance, to your point, Bruce, around the balance that people could get back. And yeah, the nervousness is that I have no doubt that these CEOs are talking to other CEOs. So clearly they have a sense of what other CEOs are thinking as well. And there's maybe a disconnect between what they want and their intention and the ability to actually bring that about and to think about what's needed of that in this new world, rather than returning to what we had before. And I kind of do think it was broken. There's the, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Partly makes me think of just because you don't go to the doctor, it doesn't mean you're not ill. You know, we didn't know what was broken and what wasn't because many organizations hadn't experimented, but certainly there were lots of different demographics of people struggling in that system before. And we need to find new world, new systems, new ways of working. And it is really difficult. I've got a lot of sympathy. It's it's really difficult to do that. There's lots of organizations looking at how they need to redesign their offices. Santander moved everyone out to Milton Keynes and built basically kind of an American style tech hub with shopping, almost like shopping malls and boutiques to try and make that a place to go. And a BT have recently updated theirs because previously I think their own internet in their office, ironically, wasn't as fast as people's in the home. So they could they could lay the cable for their customers, but they weren't quite as uh, good at doing it for themselves. That was obviously a huge problem, uh, especially when yeah, there's a quote that the average home supports the average knowledge worker better than the average office. So you've really got to you've got to go above and beyond a little bit in terms of how you're designing that space. So companies are doing it, but my worry is, yeah, are two thirds of those that were interviewed doing it and thinking about it? It's, it's a fair point that you asked, Matt, though, when you said what the source of it is, because there's no shortage of stuff that's been put out at the moment, which has got. Um, it makes you want to sort of scratch off the details at the bottom to try and work out who's placed the story and why. I saw something that had come out this week that was about that you realised very quickly was property owners were saying that there needed to be a return to the office. And the, the property owner aspect was hidden so far down in this big story that there's no shortage of newspapers that would happily report this and then they'd bury the fact that it's done a survey done by property owners in business districts in the city centre. I saw something else this week and this um, was actually a report from earlier in the year, but it immediately made me say, hang on, who's the source on that? It was a piece of work saying, get this. I don't know if you, <laughs> the numbers on this were so dazzling that I had, that I spent ages looking. It said that eight out of 10 remote employees have worked on at least two jobs at the same time in the last year. Right. So, so now I presume it's remote only. This is fully remote, but suggesting that eight out of 10 remote workers are moonlighting doing two jobs is exactly the sort of ammunition that those chief execs want, right? Though, you know, Ellen's already said how hard work and how um, busy her job's keeping her. The idea that you could somehow cram another job into this is 
kind of an insult to the demands mm. being placed on most of us. But the idea that that number is so dazzling, eight out of 10 workers are doing another job, that, of course, the, the next step of that would be that, um, that bosses would say, okay, well, look, you, know, you need to be back in the office to stop to stop uh, my workers getting up to no good when they're, they're not on Zoom calls. That is a yeah dazzling number, eight out of 10. My brain immediately went to, what are they counting as a job? Yeah, that's right. And like, is selling my vintage garments on Depop moonlighting because it's another source of income? To a certain extent, in many of the creative organizations I've worked at and work with, they almost wanted you to do mm. They called them side hustles back in the day. I think now, nowadays I have an aversion to that term, but kind of wanted you to be doing side hustling because it showed your entrepreneurialism. Oh, great. You know, you run an Etsy store because you crochet little hats for teacups. And it was like, wicked. That's really creative and you're entrepreneurial. And we want to support that. Probably weren't, it wasn't getting in the way of your job in a way that when I think of the A out of 10 stats, that feels like, overwork and having to do it because you need more income rather than I'm creative and I've got another um, yeah side hustle and passion that I happen to be making money from. So yeah, I'm wondering how much is mingling with that. But I mean, either way, it's still, yeah. whether it's five out of 10 or three out of 10, it's a lot of people that are having to do extra jobs in order to yeah. be able to survive the economic crisis. Because it was one of the criticisms, actually, of the four-day week trials. They said that, especially for workers working in store, workers who were working in the four-day week trials, and I guess, you know, with this paternalistic uh, employer attitude of, I will gift my workers a day off so they return refreshed. Um, they were Some employers were frustrated that their workers were choosing to get a second job and, you know, you know, working Thursday, Friday, Saturday um, or, or fr Friday, Saturday, Sunday in restaurants or bars or doing second jobs. And so some employers in the four day week trials said, oh, that's not really in the spirit of what we intended, which again is goes to this sort of um, this idea that you're curating the lives of your employees and that you have some control over what they do. Of course, all of it extends to. Maybe the logical extension of this is that we move to a different model of work. And I think, Ellen, you had some thoughts on where this might be going. So, yes, I was reading this piece about how Gen Z might become the freelance generation. And it's this kind of study over in America. So annoyingly, don't have UK stats, but 64% of Americans under 35 already freelance or plan to versus 30% of over 35 so there's a real difference in the younger age groups wanting to freelance or already doing it. And I think a big part of that is the frustration with office jobs at the moment and just it not working for them. And things like, like you say, the paternalistic thing of you have to do it this way. And if you're not doing it exactly the way I like, you're going to get sacked essentially. Um, I think also what's really strange and what's happening recently is that it used to be that a nine to five job was the most stable, reliable choice. It doesn't feel like that anymore. Like it feels like it's so much at the whims of your employer. You could get let go because you've seen loads of your friends get laid off. It feels like you could get ordered back to the office or have your role dramatically changed because that just seems to be what is happening more and more. Like definitely I know a lot of friends who've had that 
And it's no wonder that a lot more young people are going, this isn't really enjoyable. This isn't working for me. So I think it's natural that more of us will be wanting to freelance because we're so frustrated with the way that traditional employment is working. It's not working for us. And a lot of the bosses and CEOs aren't willing to move with the times and adapt things and maybe consider doing things a little bit differently. So freelancing becomes the only option, especially if you've got a lot of back to work, back to the office band-aids. If your only option is either work in the office full time or quit and go freelance, I think a lot of people will go freelance because it's just no, there's no bending towards, okay, maybe we can try this. Maybe we can alter things a little bit from what we were doing before. The benefits I think have also changed. So previously, often the move from freelance to permanent was I might take a pay cut typically, or at least um, I'll be earning less because my freelance rates were higher, but the trade-off there is I'll have more security. I'll have certain benefits that I wouldn't have had as a freelancer. And I'd have community. You know, many of the freelancers, you know, often feel quite, or previously felt quite lonely, a little bit isolated. You weren't part of the culture in the same way that you were as a permanent employee. But now when you're a permanent employee, there isn't as much community anyway, because you are working from home. So I imagine in terms of the Gen Zs and this shift that they aren't seeing the benefits of being permanent in a way that's, manifesting that manifested previously where it's like right I'd get a sense of community so what's the benefit here to me you know I can have greater autonomy I can have greater freedom I don't have to be at the whims of someone's return to to work policy and yeah we're seeing them clearly valuing that a lot higher than security exactly that it's what is a permanent job actually offering to us now because it's not the community aspect that's not really working it's not the stability aspect and it's not flexibility either so of course freelance is going to be the more appealing option i think for everyone not just gen z yeah if you look at these there's a, a report by morgan stanley suggesting that 50 percent of the workforce will be freelance by 2030 it's which is hard it's hard to really accept that number and i recognize that maybe you know th- these changes happen more more quickly than you think that's from sort of 35 ish percent now but it begs really huge questions doesn't it about job security about where that would end up it, i guess the one thing about freelance work is that when you hire a freelancer there's a greater understanding of what a manager needs to do with them as in when you hire a freelancer you need to give really clear deliverables i want you to do this and work out your way to deliver it so you give them the autonomy to get those things done and you tell them that this is what you're being employed on actually some of the things that people who are wage employees lack at the moment they lack those clear deliverables or the the autonomy to operate in a way that they they believe is flexible so it's it's interesting that Actually, by moving to a more freelance world, we might make work a bit more clearly transactional for the rest of us. But it's hard to see those numbers, I think. I think one thing they're also missing is the learning development aspect of being a permanent employee, especially if you're new to the workforce, which many of these Gen Zs will. It's different if you're a more senior 
freelancer where you've honed your craft, you've had that experience. And now the transactional element really is the ability to just get on and do a really good job. If you're newer to the workforce and you're not a permanent employee, it's a lot, a lot harder to have your development invested. And you've got to be super proactive about doing it yourself, which means you've got to be really self-aware about where your own blind spots are. You'd need to facilitate a feedback culture as a freelance employee, be really proactive about requesting feedback. Because typically, if you're a freelancer, you sit outside of a company's um, feedback system or HR system. So you're not going to be getting formal feedback. Typically, you're not getting learning and development There's also some HR considerations about how you're even factored into development cycles and if you can be. So I think that's a huge thing that's going to be missed. But my worry is that it's not obvious that it's going to be missed. It's a kind of you don't know what you don't know. And there's going to be a big gap, I think, around how that, yeah, this generation is able to learn and develop these skills without having a manager, without having a structured um, development plan. And yeah, it's going to, it's, it's asking for a lot, I think on that person to do a lot of heavy lifting for themselves. Yeah. It really is a very different version of work and, and far more fragmented. I mean, but by all means, it could see a rebalancing of our lives away from our jobs, but it doesn't feel like, I don't know. Is it a rebalancing? Because if you're freelance, can you ever relax about I'm going on holiday? I've have I got enough business lined up for the new year? It strikes me that probably the peaks are higher, but the troughs are much lower and probably longer. I think it really depends on your mentality and approach towards it. One of the reasons that I moved from being a permanent employee was a lifestyle choice. There's kind of two reasons. One was I wanted to have more impact in the work that I do. I'm obsessed with people and I'm just passionate about helping. But the other side was I want to be able to design a life that allows me the freedom and autonomy to take a Friday off because it's, you know, my mum's birthday. But uh, that was kind of with an understanding of I'm probably not going to ever get to retire. So I kind of need to factor in uh, free time and leisure time now into my working week because I'm probably working for the rest of my life. So yeah, I think it's almost having to take this long-term view and especially for younger generations where this will impact them more, that rebalancing, there isn't a, a finite game where I'll get to retire and then enjoy it. It's yeah, how do I start to enjoy it now? Because I'm working, baby. So I think one of the other things that is coming up for me is that employers aren't doing enough to actually draw people into the office. And I think that's really exemplified by this trend that I've been seeing more and more recently, which is coffee badging. And basically what that refers to is hybrid workers going, okay, I have to come into the office to show my face and tick that box. There's really no reason for me to do that. So I'll just go in, grab a coffee and go back home again. And that's coffee badging. And apparently 58% of hybrid workers are doing this. I haven't seen it personally, but perhaps it is happening more than we think. So the badging here refers to bleeping in and using your badge to go through the gate. Is that, is that what the badging part is? Yes. Or on the other hand, it's like um, if you were to get a badge for going into the office, you've at least got that badge. Even if you haven't done any work there or seen anyone or spoke to anyone, 
you've ticked it off. I mean, for a lot of people, that's an expensive badge to earn, isn't it? If you've got to get a training from, you know, a, a long way away, you spend 20 quid on a train, it's a, a sort of challenging expenditure that you've got to lay out. I was just thinking, it's, this is like the most obscene extreme of presenteeism that you're wasting the time to even get there to just get that badge to go, oh my, this is, I didn't think that a new term like coffee badging could make my skin crawl. That is so upsetting. <laughs> it's such a waste of time. Yeah. But you know, on the point of presenteeism, I'm seeing so much evidence of that right now that you'd have thought we would have learnt that you know the lessons of flexibility but people I know who's who've got two days a week in the office or three days a week in the office and they've told me oh yeah you know I, I can't leave early today because my my boss is watching everyone and and actually all of the lessons we had about the the upsides and the downsides of flexibility that you know most of us even if we leave at 5 20 we'll probably be on emails that evening um the presenteeism seems to be back and as present as ever yeah 100 and i think the thing is that if bosses are engaging in that and encouraging that kind of culture employees are obviously going to try to game the system and they'll go okay you want me to just show up i will I won't do anything else, but at least I'll show up and I'll just tick that box for you. Right. So it's like malicious compliance to return to work mandates that you've said arbitrarily we need to come in. So I'm going to come in, but it's okay. It's kind of like rebelling, a little bit of rebellion slightly. Definitely. And also if you happen to have free coffee or I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, well, if I'm going to be forced to come into the office, I'll steal toilet paper. Like, of course I will. That's going to save me money. If you're forcing me to, that's what I'll do. Uh, it's a different ring to like a destination office. We've got boutiques, we've got shops, and you can also pick up toilet paper. A ream of printing paper, some toilet roll, half a dozen tea bags. Exactly that. Although I will warn anyone listening, I would advise against it because I have heard of someone being fired for stealing like an air freshener thing from their office so not always the best idea but coffee badging i think if you can get away with it fine and i think the crux of it is that people are doing this because they don't see a benefit to being in the office because they do feel like being at home is better for them okay right that's that's helping me reframe it i so it's like all they they're having to go in and it's basically all i came in for was this coffee so i got the badge i thought people were going in I don't know what I thought but that makes a lot more sense this kind of malicious compliance angle of like this was a really pointless journey in and all I got was it's kind of like all I got was this t-shirt all I got was this coffee I did work in a um a very privileged pampered tech environment where they there were kitchens full of snacks and you know various forms of kettle chips and and wholesome brownie bars and chocolate and quite often when people were working freelance they would turn up with a hold all and they would just fill the hold all full of stuff now of course that's entirely in the spirit in, in the letter of what you're entitled to do but goes a little bit against the spirit of it and it's like well, i guess if you're giving free stuff then don't be surprised when people take free stuff this might be going back to our distinction between when we're saying freelancers aren't maybe as part of the culture because I, I would say that yeah that's kind of going against the spirit of maybe <laughs> sharing but hey they're getting toilet paper with that air fresheners and and a lunch that's benefits 
We were talking a little bit about kind of Gen Z changing work patterns. One thing I'm absolutely loving at the moment is the changing email sign-offs that Gen Z have been introducing. So on the one hand, there's the articles and research uh, about how this generation is kind of lacking the office experience and work etiquette. And some sides of that is really important. So, you know, etiquette isn't just arbitrary rules to a certain extent. They are kind of informal rules we've all agreed to. So there was one manager saying she manages loads of Gen Zs and sometimes she's getting a message 10 minutes before an important client meeting saying, oh, by the way, I'm working from home. So there's kind of etiquette around communication that is important and that people just aren't getting the experience of. But there's the other side to etiquette, which is the arbitrary rules. And there was a study from Barclays Life Skills, which is basically an initiative from Barclays about helping younger generations get into work and and what they need. The kind of thing when I was growing up where it was like, you need Microsoft Word and Excel. (laughs) Nowadays, uh, it's slightly different. It's probably how you uh, work from home. And they were, they were looking into kind of email sign-offs and phrases that are going to disappear. So yours truly, yours sincerely, to whom it may concern, kind of topping the list of the ones to go. And then I was kind of in a rabbit hole looking at the different Gen Z sign-offs. And I'm obsessed. So there's some that kind of flip convention. So they're taking the classic yours truly um, and it's yours mm-hmm. unfaithfully. Please hesitate to reach out. If you have any questions, please ask somebody else. Lukewarm regards, mean regards. Those are kind of the ones flipping convention. And then there are some that are just coming in straight out of nowhere. Hang on. And are they using these kind of think because they think they won't be noticed or just as like playfully between friends or? Um, from what I'm seeing, uh, and this is primarily research through TikTok, but from what I'm seeing is they're using them just as general email sign-offs. I think Ooh. as a... To break convention and the stuffy work atmosphere, but also I think in a way to kind of signal what is what is this? Work is mental, just generally. Like this kind of anti-work, this recognition of this is a weird grind that we've all had to kind of be signed up for. So some of them are live, laugh, leave me alone, and then their name, another day, another sleigh. Stay hydrated, Queens. Okay, bye. (laughs) And then things like, please let me know ASAP, brackets, if that works for you, but soon, but no rush. But if that's okay for you, let me know. And and I once got hit with a remain blessed. I like that one. And I I loved remain. Remain blessed was great. But then I realized that was actually, that was from someone that meant it. It was kind of a a religious angle. And I was like, yeah, I thought it was Gen Z lingo. But it's like, I'm not religious enough to use right. it seriously, but I'm also not young enough yeah. to use it ironically. But I would love to be able to end emails with but remain blessed. I think blessed. I might stay blessed. I might, I might stay blessed. Stay blessed. Like, I might use that yeah. as a text sign-off to people. There are definitely some, though, <laughs> that I'm happy to see go. So, yeah, what are, you, what are your sign-offs that you're like, we can get rid of? I don't ever want to see a yours sincerely again. I like it, though. I do think if you think about the way that we were using email, it's bizarre. Like, I think your sincerely and to whom it may concern is really strange language. Like, I definitely won't miss that, but it's bizarre that we were doing it in the first place. It feels adjacent to um, out of office. You know, I, I used to enjoy when before I was heading off on, on holiday, 
sort of penning an out of office that would at least put people in a a more amused mood when they realised that I wasn't going to be replying to them for the next week or so. Um, so, uh, yeah, maybe sort of the way we communicate. I, I saw something that said that young people, Gen Zs entering the workforce, are utterly baffled by email because they've never used email. They they don't check email in their own personal lives. And so the reason why Slack has been more popular with that group is because, you know, actually they already feel that WhatsApp's a bit of a chore and, it, you know, they're mainly messaging on social media. Um, and so I was... I was, I was, I'm surprised that they've, they've even deigned to think of email signs off. Yeah, I've, I've been told off for out of office emails before that I thought I was just adding a little bit of flair to, and then apparently it was too, too, too much flair, <laughs> and someone had to change my password to go in and just put, yeah, put it to. I got a text that uh, we've changed. You, uh, yeah, your, so your password's been changed, and then I got a text from someone saying that was me. I've had to change it out of office. What was it? So, um, I don't think it was too outrageous. I think I was going off mm. to a festival and I was saying I'm probably off lost dancing in the woods somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That's well, fine. That's what I thought. But no, password hacked, <laughs> out of office changed. I certainly couldn't have got away with another day, another sleigh. <laughs> stay blessed though. Stay blessed. Always stay mm. blessed, Bruce, I think. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So this leads neatly into another Gen Z trend, which is snail girl jobs. Um, I don't love this name, uh, but it's basically just the idea that we're going to be anti-hustle culture and take things a bit more slowly. Um, it's similar with the lazy girl jobs, um, the kind of quiet quitting, but all about just taking a bit of a backseat, slowing things down. My main opposition to it, other than the fact that snails are a bit gross, is that, again, it's got girl attached to it. Mm. Yeah, that's I the first instinct that. when I heard it. It's worrying. I get 
Why? Because women are more prone to burnout. There is this thing called the exhaustion gap, which is hitting women and girls hard. So it makes sense that we're going, okay, we're burnt out and we need to do things differently. But I think attaching snail and lazy to women is not Mm. doing much for how we're perceived in the workplace. Well, especially because the people who are making these things are either writing or putting content together for women or, you know, they're putting TikToks together for women and they're Mm. they're sort of trying to create an angle that will get likes or get page reads, but it plays into something. I don't know if you saw this week, there was um, Nick Bloom, who's the the leading expert on work from home, and he ran a conference last week. And one of the big things that came from it was the gendered nature of some of the challenges to working from home. Specifically, he said that when it comes to um, people that, that productivity paranoia, that sense that are people doing their jobs, it's being increasingly gendered, that women are being accused of slacking from home more than men. Now, mm. f- firstly, I could definitely see that trend and it's sort of an alarming trend that, you know, you perceive that different groups are more or less productive. Um, but of course, these trends of lazy girl jobs or snail girl jobs unfortunately just play into enabling and justifying that trope is sort of a bad combination of executive prejudice and um and sort of attempting to put stories together that aren't necessarily helpful with the nick bloom piece do you know whether that's because of the biases related to household labor that if someone's at home that certain jobs are seen as kind of female so chores you know looking after children I wonder if that bias is slipping into the assumption therefore that women are doing I don't know doing more of those yeah yeah I I wonder if it comes from that that you know that notion of bring your whole self to work that you reveal to your boss oh yeah sorry I was just dashing off to collect the kids or sorry I was just putting some food on for dot 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 I was Mm -hmm. just sorting something out that that in the course of you discussing the elements of your life, you reveal something that just plays into bossy's prejudice. I don't know. I don't know what the origin yeah. of it, but it was a really interesting advent. I was I was speaking somewhere yesterday, and I was saying that you know we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that remote working and hybrid working is a diversity and inclusion issue for, for a, a million different reasons. But the, this is just another reminder that you need to be careful that you don't necessarily perceive the men in the workplace as doing good because they're unencumbered by responsibilities, and the women doing bad because they're unfortunately picking up this domestic burden. I think this loops back to the overworking thing we were discussing at the top of the episode. So I don't know if you guys experience this as well, but the perception that I'm seeing is that men who are working from home maybe won't be as good at their jobs because they're doing other jobs or overworking or doing a side hustle versus women who might be doing more of those household tasks or tackling stress and burnout. There seems to be a real distinction, both being working from home is bad but in these distinct gendered ways i haven't seen that that's really interesting but certainly one thing i have heard is the perception difference between seeing a man and then looking after a child at home is like what a wonderful dad and the perception yeah. of seeing a mum and it's like okay busy mum mm. not able to multitask there's definitely a diversity and inclusion 
lens that is skewing the perception there. It all leads into, if you've got an employer who doesn't trust workers to do their jobs at home, then, you know, either there is going to be maybe a separation of, well, just hire those people as freelancers or, you know, hire different people in the office. But it, it, it goes to the heart of trust probably is the heart of all good workplace culture. And if you haven't got it, then how do you set about trying to build it? 100%. Completely agree, yeah. Fabulous. I love that discussion. There's been so many things that you'll find in the show notes there um, from the the things we've discussed. Like I say, always keen to hear what's worked, what hasn't worked. So please do get in touch. Uh, But thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. For now, I'm Bruce Daisley. I'm Ellen Scott. And I'm Matt Cook. And we'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.